Hello and welcome to the Particular Baptist Podcast. My name is Daniel Vincent here with my co-host Sean Sheetham. Um, today we're going to be talking about the State of Theology survey that came out from Ligonier Ministries. It's actually a partnership with Ligonier Ministries and I think Lifeway, um, where they do a survey, I think every year, and they've been doing this for a number of years now, where they kind of get a pulse of theological issues and um, theological understandings that are going on um, in the evangelical world and in the U.S. in general. So they're taking a pulse of um, pagans or just a broader sample size that may or may not identify as Christian, excuse me, and then those who would identify as evangelicals. So we're going to go through uh, the key findings here and and just discuss this. This will be pretty much off the cuff, um, but we're going to try and go through this, discuss it, and and see some of the, the differences. Uh, I think as we go through this, you'll see pretty quickly that um, there is evangelical decline in some of these doctrines, um, and it's, it is disheartening and um, scary to see where some of these um, trajectories are going with regards to the data. Um, and it's important to point out too, that, um, you know, just because a survey says something doesn't mean it's representing the whole accurately necessarily, but it can at least give us a good idea of how things are going, um, out in the evangelical world, um, as we seek to, uh, to understand these things. So it can kind of allow us to put some sort of quantification on what's going on. Um, but we shouldn't take these numbers as being, you know, absolute truth necessarily. So we're going to go through this here. Um, so this is the the survey. You can actually find this at thestateoftheology.com. And I think they've been doing this since, let's see, do they say here? I think it's uh, 2014. 2014? Okay. All right. It's almost 10 years. They've been doing this. I, I thought years. I saw, yeah, I thought I, yeah, I thought I saw data go all the way back till 2014. Okay. Yeah. It hasn't been around that long. Um, yeah, but yeah, yeah. So they have a page you can go and see, you can do a data explorer where they can, you can dive into, um, like all of the questions as they don't in this key findings page, they don't talk about everything they found. It's just some of the main questions and then responses that they got, but you can dive into, um, this even more and I'll just go right here real quick and you can break it down by category age, religion, education, etc. If you really want to dive into data, you can even create your own surveys, apparently. I don't know how that works, but you can. And then use this tool to gather your data and present it. Uh, but with that, let's dive into this. Um, so this is, you know, what do Americans believe about God, salvation, ethics, and the Bible? So this is the, the really the four questions that they're looking um, to gather. Oh, they do this every two years. I'm sorry. Not every year. Every two years they do this. Okay. So the first question, um, does God change? This is a question that was was put out. Um, and the specific question, God learns and adapts to different circumstances, or it's more of a statement. And then seeing how people respond to that specific statement. Um, so we'll read this here. This is from the survey. As we look at ourselves and the rest of the world, it is clear that human beings, along with the rest of creation, undergo frequent changes. But does this principle apply to God as well? The Bible affirms the truth that the triune God is both omniscient, meaning that he knows all things, and immutable, meaning that he cannot and does not change. Isaiah 46.10, Malachi 3.6, James 1.17, 1 John 3.20. Despite this truth, the majority of adults in the United States believe that God both learns and adapts to different circumstances. So, the again, the statement was God learns and adapts to different circumstances. The U.S. adult finding was, is that 51%, Sean? Uh, yes. Okay, 51. I can't. I'm reading from a screen that's not like right in front of me. Um, 51% agree, and I think that says 32% disagree. Yep. So not really surprising, given that you're taking a general population of the United States. This is probably going to include mostly unbelievers. So you're going to see um, 
you know, probably, yeah, God is probably like me. He's going to change. He's going to adapt. Sure. Whatever. You know, it's, it's, it, that's not really a surprising answer. Um, so I, that doesn't really surprise me at all. Do you have any thoughts, Sean, there? Uh, not on that. What's really surprising is how close it is to um, the evangelical uh, percentage. Um, I mean, right. the evangelical percentage is less, but not that much. Less. Yeah. It's yep. At- yep. It's 48% agree and 47%. Is that 47%? 43 uh sorry uh it's um 43 disagree 48 agree 43 so almost split down the middle okay yeah but it's but those who agree that god learns and adapts to different circumstances actually not that far off from those who actually agree with that statement in the general u.s population which is as sean said um you know it's it's pretty frightening um, because we're, what that tells you is that there is this decline. You know, we've spent a lot of time in talking about the doctrine of God on this podcast, especially in more recent times, um, with this recovery of the doctrine of God and a controversy and reform circles around that, around the doctrine of God. So, you know, we're seeing this theological decline. Um, as it relates to a really a core teaching of our faith about who God is, you know, growing up in the Christian church, it was for me, it was just, yeah, God doesn't change immutability that even as a, a young, a younger kid, it was just like, yeah, God doesn't change. That's just basic Christianity. It wasn't even a question. It was just, yeah, that's what the Bible teaches. So it's, it is shocking in a sense to see that it, such a basic doctrine is, is, almost split down the middle among those who claim to be evangelicals who claim to be Christians. Um, Cause this really is, is fun is one of the fundamental aspects of what we believe in who God is. Um, so the fact that people are denying that who claim to be Christians is, uh, is frightening. Now we don't know who they're claim, you know, who they're um, getting, uh, responses from as it relates to evangelicals it could be broad bible churches it could be um church of christ it could be anybody who claims to be an evangelical which when you use that term is a pretty broad term so we're not saying that these are people who are necessarily falling into the reform camp um but for those who are at least claiming to be not roman catholic um, not Eastern Orthodox, those who are evangelicals, right? They're going to be broadly, um, you know, non-denom or something around that, at the very least, something like that. So actually, if you scroll down to close to the bottom, it defines how they defined um, evangelicals. Um, oh, uh, the yeah. bottom of the page? Uh, yeah, so right before the conclusion, if you scroll down. Okay, I must defines- have missed that how they uh they defined evangelical yeah right before that so it gave uh this is lifeway oh Um, you're right lifeway is people who strongly agreed with the following statements the bible is the highest authority for what i believe it is very important for me personally to encourage non-christians to trust jesus christ as their savior jesus's death on the cross is the only sacrifice that could remove the penalty of my sin only those who trust in Jesus alone, Jesus Christ alone, as their Savior, receive God's free gift of eternal salvation. Respondents can also be identified as evangelical in the state of theology, data explored based on their supplied church affiliation. Okay. Yeah. So at the very least, those four points are, are very strongly orthodox. I would expect somebody to have that view. Uh, those of you used to have a high view of um, the things that we're going to be we're going to be talking about. But as we see, um, just because somebody professes those things doesn't necessarily mean that's the reality of a right. situation. And, and honestly, it tells you, I think, too, that, you know, church leadership is not um, probably not as well versed in these basic doctrines as they should be. You know, because the people are going to obviously be feeding primarily off of whoever their pastor or elders or whatever their church leaders are. 
And if they're not teaching these things or teaching against them deliberately or openly, then the people are just going to feed up. Oh, yeah, God does change. My pastor said that. Or that's what I've been taught. This is what our denomination believes. So it, I think it shows a decline in the, uh, the church leadership's role in teaching the people correct theology. And they're ultimate, they're going to be held to a higher standard um, than the people are, obviously. Yeah, I was trying to to think about why I, why it might be that um, uh, there is such a such a, a disconnect. And one of the things I thought of was the fact that you don't really see theology taught in a systematic way, at least as yep. far as I can. Obviously, I'm not in every single church in America, but it seems to me that theology is not taught systematically, um, which I'm the primary teaching should be expositional going through the Bible book by book, verse by verse. So I'm not saying that um, we should only be teaching systematic theology, but um, when it's not taught systematically, you do end up with these questions. Well, does God, um, does God learn or not? And some verses might um, imply that um, we've gone through that on the, uh, the podcast before, but if you look at the teaching of scripture as a whole, it's obviously that it's obvious that God does not learn. Um, so when things aren't taught systematically, people might be confused because they might think of, oh, well, it sounded like God learned something about Abraham when he didn't sacrifice Isaac on the altar. Um, so maybe God does learn um, when looking at the backdrop of scriptures and the scripture and the other things it says about God, even in Genesis. Uh, we know that that's not the case and that that's the wrong interpretation to have taken away from that passage. So um, systematic theology is good when it's taught in a systematic way. You're able to get broad um, understandings of what the Bible is teaching and um, you're able to come to verses already having an understanding of what the Bible teaches and you're able to interpret those verses appropriately. So that that's I don't know. That's one reason I came up with with my um, the, uh, the answers on here might be so bad. Yeah. So not having a proper hermeneutical framework to work from and yeah. people aren't being taught that basic oh, element yeah. of here's how you interpret your Bible, you know, yeah. like going back to just basics of, you know, what is analogy of faith? You know, okay. We look at the clear passages to interpret the less clear. Um, and some of these might be more liberal, um, denominations too, because, um, you know, you, you have taken to effect that there could be those who are teaching that the Bible really isn't inerrant or there are, can be contradictions mm -hmm. in the Bible. Um, so that's obviously going to come into play, too. Yeah. And looking at the affiliations here. Oh, let me share my screen again. There we go. Um, on the side for this particular question. So it's evangelical, black, Protestant, mainline, Roman. So Roman Catholics are included in here. Roman Catholic and other. So still kind of vague, but. So I don't think they're included in evangelical. I think that's just breaking further out what um, what the respondents were. So I think yeah, that, that would could go. Be. I think that would go under the 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 general um, like U.S. adults portion of the data, not necessarily evangelical portion of the data. It's kind of funny. Roman Catholics strong more of them strongly agree that God does change and adapt. Oh, wow. <laughs> Which you would think is not, because typically Roman Catholic theology is a very strong view of immutability. Well, um, But, you know, Roman Catholics today, who knows? Well, but, yeah, that gets into uh, official, official doctrine of the church versus reality on the street, um, because I find very much so that um, official Roman doctrine doesn't, I, I run into a lot of Roman Catholics that are clearly in they don't hold to the um, to clear Roman doctrine, uh, Roman Catholic doctrine, um, obviously. So and, and sometimes it's, it's very uh, it's almost funny just how um, in contradiction they are and they don't even seem to realize it. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. There are Roman Catholic scholars out there who are very much have a very yeah. orthodox doctrine of God. But yeah, you're probably not your main, the, the average Roman Catholic on the street that you're going to make is probably not going to um, hold to the conservative understanding. Okay. Yeah. So that, uh, that one was kind of surprising. Um, 
Let's see. These results show that American evangelicals and general U.S. population are essentially equivalent in their argument, in their agreement with the statement. Nearly half of both groups believe it God changes by learning and adapting. This may indicate the influence of open theism, which didn't. Oh, that's a that's a good point because that has come back. Bless you, because um, that has come back uh, with a with a storm uh, among certain groups. We've seen that and experienced that. Um, process theology, which denies God's omnipotence and asserts that he does undergo changes. Yeah, we've seen that too. Within the evangelical church, this finding may also indicate a lack of clear biblical teaching on the character of God in evangelical churches. All right, next question. Are we born innocent? This is a big one. And you're going to find, you know, this is where you would see like the Arminian or now there's the provisionists who um, deal with this issue as well. Um, so the survey says when God created the world, everything he made was good. Genesis 1, 10, 21, 25, 31. Yet through Adam and Eve's rebellion in the Garden of Eden, humankind became corrupted. The Bible teaches the concept of original sin, which means that since the fall, every human being inherits a sin nature from the time of their corruption. Psalm 51, 5, Romans 5, 12. In other words, we are not sinners because we sin. Rather, we sin because we are sinners. So the U.S. adult finding, everyone is born innocent in the eyes of God. Uh, not surprising, pagans would say, sure, you know, that of course we're born innocent. Why would God do something like that? Um, I, that's how I can imagine the response being. But 71, I think that's 71. 71% 71 agree versus 20. Is that 21, Sean? It is, yeah. 21% disagree. So not surprising there. Honestly, what is what is surprising is that it's so high the other direction. Right, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> and then the survey says it is unsurprising that most U.S. adults believe that humans are born innocent, given the influence of humanistic philosophies and worldviews that teach self-determinism and a view of humankind is basically good. Yep. Find that all the time. You know, just watch a Ray Comfort evangelism video where he's talking about the law of God to people. And, you know, how and you just hear quickly how people will try to justify themselves by, oh, I, you know, I didn't do this. I didn't do that. Or I'm not that bad. And Ray Comfort, you know, in his classic way, will turn that on its head very quickly going through the law. Um, so, yeah, that's a very common view. But we go to the evangelical results. Everyone is born innocent in the eyes of God. U.S. evangelical finding 60 is that 65, Sean. Um, sorry, I keep switching. Yeah, it's sixty-five percent agree and thirty-two percent disagree. Okay, okay. Yeah, again, sorry everyone. I'm looking at a screen that's not right in front of me. Uh, sixty-five agree and thirty-two percent disagree. Um, so this is this is very scary. Um, on the evangelical side, because your anthropology is going to affect a lot. It's going to affect your understanding of the gospel. It's going to affect your understanding. Um, I guess it could affect your understanding of the atonement in relation to the gospel. Um, it's just going to have a, a cascading effect. And if you believe that man is basically good, um, that could have implications as well for how you become right before God. If you believe that your mm -hmm. works are good enough, yeah, I'm, I'm basically good. So, you know, God's going to let me in based on what I do, or at least in part, right? You know, my good works got to count for something if I'm basically good. But if we believe that we're completely depraved, as Romans 3 teaches, that there's none who does good, no, not one, um, then we have to throw ourselves completely at the mercy of Christ in his righteousness and his work on the cross, because there's nothing I can bring. There's no good work that I can do. And that's what Paul grounds his... Um, understanding of the righteousness of God, and he contrasts that in Romans 3 with the wickedness of man. There is, we've all fallen short of the glory of God, but through faith, the righteousness of God is revealed. So there is hope in that um, through the righteousness of God. So you can see the implications that this has if you get this doctrine wrong. So, you know, understanding you know, why Why are people thinking this and, and what do they believe about the gospel is the next question mm -hmm. um, that I would ask. If they don't believe that we are, um, you know, totally depraved, to, to borrow from the tea of Tulip, 
uh, then what do they believe about how do they get into heaven, man's uh, contribution, quote unquote, to their salvation? Well, it also completely changes how you evangelize because am, is the person I'm talking to someone who's bent away from God or morally mm -hmm. neutral towards God? Because um, if they're morally neutral, all I've got to do is provide them reasons to believe and mm -hmm. they'll believe. Whereas the person who's who's bent away from God, that's a it's a very different um it's a very different um what's the word I'm looking for? It, it, you you evangelize that person differently because you're dealing with somebody different. You need to bring the law of God to bear against them. You need to rely on God's means for that person to be uh, saved. The preaching of the word. It's not a matter of convincing them uh, like, oh, well, this, this person's neutral. I'll just present my evidence. And if it's, if it's good evidence, they'll, they'll uh, accept it and become a Christian. Well, they may not want to accept it because they're bent away from God. Um, so it, it just, it changes how you interact with people. And it's um, partially responsible, honestly, for this survey, because if you think people are uh, born good, and uh, you just bring them into the church, you know, well, you know, people are, are basically good. Let's just have them into the church, mm. not recognizing that people are, are born sinners, born evil, um, that they're, they're deceivers that come in, um, that you have to be careful. Uh, that explains why all of a sudden you have churches that go apostate, um, because you've allowed people into the congregation that shouldn't have been there, that weren't truly converted. Yeah, that's a good point. It has an effect upon the, your ecclesiology. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. no, it, it definitely does. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, you see, um, yeah, you. there's not a lot of reason to vet people if yeah. that's the case. You know, yeah, you're, we're yeah. basically good, so what's the big deal? I don't need to... I don't need to make a big deal about it. And that yeah. kind of plays into the next question that they're going to bring out here. Um, but yeah, it, it has a whole lot of problems with regards to um, ecclesiology, the gospel, it has a it has a cascading effect. So the survey says here, the fact that almost two-thirds of evangelicals believe that humans are born in a state of innocence reveals that the biblical teaching of original sin is not embraced by most evangelicals. And I, you know, full stop there. I would even say that if you really be believe that doctrine, or I'm sorry, if you really believe that uh, original sin isn't uh, real or isn't biblical, you you really believe that? Teach it. That's a heretical doctrine. I mean, people were. Um, you look at um, Thomas Collier, who was a particular Baptist, who was disciplined um, by the particular Baptist for basically being an Arian. Um, but it, if I recall correctly, another thing that he had an issue with was he denied original sin. Um, it's a serious issue. It wasn't something that was seen as. Um, a secondary issue that we can just disagree on because of the it goes to the heart of the gospel it goes to um, it has implications for how we are made right before god and things like that it's a serious error to make um, but continuing on here um, is that god's word however makes clear that all humans are by nature children of wrath ephesians 2 3 this truth is foundational for an accurate understanding of the gospel and our absolute need for the grace of God and salvation. Yep, so exactly. Even, even Ligonier sees this as something that's foundational. There's no if, ands, or buts about this. Yeah, and, and one has to wonder, going back to the definition of uh, evangelical that they provided, because it said that it's somebody who feels that it's important that they uh, try to persuade people to trust in Jesus, right? If people are born good, well, why, who's to say that, um, well, people can remain good, essentially, right? There's no reason to say that they change. Um, so why do you necessarily need to witness to everybody you meet? What about the, the pagan that's never heard about Christ? Are they going to heaven because they're a good person or not? Um, you, you have to answer these questions and that that kills evangelism because all of a sudden the the need the dire need to evangelize is no longer there yep yeah the the um yeah the need for the gospel really isn't there if you say that man is basically good because the gospel mm -hmm. is saving us from ourselves saving us from our condition 
So if we don't really have a a dire condition, then the gospel really isn't that important. Yeah. Yep. It's funny, Roman Catholics, you know, they're <laughs> I mean, it's a pretty small sample size, but the ones that eighty two percent strongly agree that everyone is born innocent in the eyes of God. That's okay. amazing. That is absolutely <laughs> amazing. I'm yeah. All right, next question. Does church membership matter? Jesus says in Matthew, and this is from the survey, Jesus says in Matthew 16, 18, I will build my church. What is, but what is the church? Biblically speaking, the church consists of those whom God has called out of the world and drawn to himself through Christ. The universal church, um, but, and it's funny, <laughs> You know, given Ligonier has more of a Presbyterian background, um, I would think there would be a little more to that. It's not just those who are. Um, who <laughs> oh, I didn't. Out I, the world, John of Christ. Then, if you're baptized, then technically you're part of the covenant community. But um, that's oh, that's a, interesting. I didn't. I didn't even pick up. on I that. just caught that right now as I was reading. I was like, oh, that's. I mean, I, I agree with that definition. I do. I agree but. with it too. Just maybe a tad inconsistent. <laughs> um, universal church, which consists of every person, past, present, and future, whom God, uh, past, present, who God calls to Himself, is expressed tangibly through local church bodies that extend around the world. So the statement is: every Christian has an obligation to join a local church. U.S. adult rating, I think that's thirty-six agree and fifty-four disagree. 56 disagree. 56 disagree. Okay. Not that, you know, it, your general pagan is going to care about this at all. I mean, because um, if they don't understand those first two, then this really doesn't matter at all. But uh, it is still interesting to see the feedback. Yeah. I mean, I uh, would the think... evangelical finding is 60. What is that, Sean? 60. Um, it is 68% agree, 26% disagree. Okay. Okay. That's a little bit, um, I would say that's a little bit more comforting that most do strongly agree that it, or at least agree that it is important or that you have an obligation to join a local church. Um, well, but not sure how you're going to understand this very well if the other two items are, you know, wrong, but. Well, I found it because um, I, I wanted to see uh, if that was an improvement over previous years or um, a uh, not. So I looked at the 2020 um, survey and it didn't have a question that was exactly the same, unfortunately, but I did found, find one that was sort of close. Um, worshiping alone or with one's family is a valid replacement for regularly attending church. So the question is essentially saying like, okay, you don't have to attend church, which is similar to um, whether or not you should be a member of a church. Right. So in this case, the agrees were actually, um, what is that? That's 39% um, from evangelicals, which is, is very surprising. Um, or I guess filtered response. I think that's evangelicals. Maybe it's not. Um but regardless, even the the adult response is less. Um, it's uh, 58%. So it looks like there might have been an improvement over COVID because that's from 2020 to 2022, um, which is, is interesting. There might have been a little bit of a backlash there and people recognize the, imper the importance of being in a local church. Um, I don't know if that's true, but I, I did find it interesting that it does seem that there, there was an increase there. Hmm. Okay. Yeah. The, the pandemic may have had an influence on that. Um, and That's I think very... the survey kind of indicates in terms of the shift, because it says it may be surprising that only 68% of evangelicals view church membership as obligatory. This may indicate the influence of an individualistic worldview within the church, as well as challenges posed by the COVID-19 pandemic and ever increasing access to viewing various churches various churches services via the internet so you, you know you have a lot many churches went fully remote 
right? And I don't, there may be even be some churches that haven't even gone back yet. But it's very easy to think you can substitute church in-person worship um, for an online service because it's convenient, right? Oh, we're all together. You know, I don't have to leave my house. I don't have to get everybody sick. You know, we're, we're all still technically communing online. Um, so it, it can kind of pose as a distraction because it's so easy to do now. I mean, these were challenges that the early church would have had no concept of. Um, but it's still uh, something that I think can be very much a distraction if used inappropriately. As we do see the biblical model that churches are to meet together, right? Book of Hebrews is very clear about this. We're not to, um, you know, neglect the meeting of ourselves together. We're not to um, abandon that. If we do that, we're not living in accordance with the command of God. It's really that simple. Um, we are to meet together. Um, and there is something that is lost in, um, you know, like an online service or online teaching that you do have in person. Um, you even see this in the workplace. You know, uh, I work remotely uh, two days a week and I enjoy it. But there is something lost when you are working from home than when you're working in the office. You know, that in-person interaction definitely um, can be more efficient, more effective, more helpful than when you're talking on a Teams or Zoom meeting or something like that. Um, so it's, you know, it, it, it has its positives, but in a long-term effect, especially as it relates to worship, where we're supposed to be interacting with one another in an intimate way, we're supposed to be worshiping together, um, gathered together, and hearing the Word of God um, as we are gathered as the people of God, um, it definitely loses something. You get more distracted sitting at home when you're you know, supposed to be worshiping. You can get up and go get your coffee in your pajamas while still having the worship service on your computer You know, without really having to give yourself to the people of God, sacrifice yourself for the church, get out of bed in the morning and get in your car and drive to wherever the gathered body is. Um, so it, it definitely poses a problem, but more importantly, it's the command of scripture that we meet together. We don't morph scripture with the times changing. Um, we ensure that we are abiding by those principles and commands that we've been given, regardless of where the culture is going. Um, so, yeah. Yeah. This is something we actually sort of started getting into uh, the last podcast. Um, but you can't, church is not merely teaching, right? I can't just put on yep. a video of teaching and like, okay, I'm, I'm done. I've, I've got what I needed to do for that week. Teaching is off, obviously critical and very important, but it's not the only thing. Um, we are to be in one another's lives. Um, yep. We're, we're to be involved both for our, our um, material needs and also for our spiritual needs. And if somebody's going astray, you know, getting into sin, how can they be brought out of it if there's nobody in their lives to actually to, to point it out and call them to repentance? Um, yeah, there's just there's a whole bunch of things that are missing. You can't just plop a sermon on on Sunday and call it good. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, there is a real sacrifice that has to take place. You're you're investing yourself in other people's um, lives by being together in person. Yep, that's exactly right. All right. So looking here, um, there's some other items that they have, um, some trends, U.S. adult trends. So a survey says the State of Theology survey has been conducted every two years since our first U.S. survey in 2014. Survey results over the past eight years reveal that Americans increasingly reject the Bible's divine origin and more readily embrace sexual behavior that is condemned in Scripture. So here's the topic of the Bible. And it goes on to say, U.S. adults increasingly reject the divine authorship of the Bible, regulating it to the same category as other religious writings and purportedly sacred texts. This view makes it easy for individuals to accept biblical teaching that they resonate while simultaneously rejecting any biblical teaching that is out of step with their own personal views or broader cultural values. The Bible, however, is a unified message from the one true God 
As such, it is to be embraced in all its fullness as God's perfect revelation to humankind. We must conform our lives to Scripture rather than twist Scripture to suit our lives. This is the clearest and most consistent trend revealed in the state of theology by the State of Theology Survey since it began in 2014. So the statement is, The Bible, like all sacred writings, contains helpful accounts of ancient myths, but is not literally true. So they list all of the U.S. adult findings from 2014 up until now. And basically every year it seems to have gone up, or trended up at least. And now I think, what is that, 53, Sean? Yeah, 53. We started in 2014 with 41%, and now we're at 53 Okay. 12% increase in the past eight yeah, years. which is pretty significant. Um, yeah. So you slowly see that decline culturally away from a divine authority, and then we wonder why the culture is where it is today. Um, people coming up with their own definitions of gender, people coming up with their own definitions of sexuality. Um, you know, when you move away from the standard that God has given us, anything goes at the end of the day it's whatever i feel or the culture feels or some other standard that's going to fill that void Mm -hmm. all right next one secular secularization the bible teaches us god's purposes and requirements for human relationships and sexuality god created humans as male and female genesis 127 and he instituted marriage a covenant relationship between one biological man and one biological woman as the only appropriate place for sexual activity, Hebrews 13.4. Despite scriptures teaching on God's will for human identity and sexual ethics, U.S. adults increasingly affirm the right, quote-unquote, of an individual to choose his or her own gender identity despite one's biological sex. The surveys from 2016 to 2020 showed this view holding steady but the 2022 survey reveals that it is gaining traction. Again, that's really not surprising given where we see ourselves more and more um, on the, especially on the, the gender issue that's gaining much more traction going the other way and leaving God's um, intended design and moving towards an autonomous understanding of what gender is. It's whatever I feel, whatever I desire it to be. Um, and that's really the new, uh, the new gay, if you will, you know, homosexuality was a big deal back in the day when, especially when, um, it was being put forth, uh, for legal marriage, right. And the Supreme court, um, was dealing with that issue, but I think the issue has shifted to gender identity. How does that relate to our children? How does that relate to pronouns, um, and how I dress and how I look and all of those things, it's its morphed into that. So this really isn't surprising that the trend has gone up with regards to gender identity. It's a matter of choice, and, and the, broader, the broader U.S. population is going to lean away from a biblical understanding of that. I will point out, though, um, even if you include the um, not-sures, that's still only 49%. So 51% of uh, adults still say that, um, and what was the exact wording of the question? General identity is not a matter of choice, is what they're saying. So there's still a slim, but uh, a majority there. Hmm. Yep. Yeah, it's not much. If you look at the graph, it's pretty... No, it's not. But, um, but it is... it's, it's moving. So probably the next time we go around with this, unless there's been some... You know, move of God, it's not going to continue yeah, in a good way. You you do see a, a backlash going on. I don't know I don't know what will happen if it will succeed or not, but you do at least see a backlash. Yeah. Yeah. There we do see like there is a, a pretty big conservative backlash to this stuff um in certain circles. Um but yeah, we'll we'll see what happens. All right, the survey goes on to say, additionally, more and more Americans take the view that the Bible's commands against homosexuality are no longer applicable in society today. While there has been some variability, 2022 reveals an overall increasing secular trend over the years. Again, not surprising. Um, So the, the statement is the Bible's condemnation of homosexual behavior doesn't apply today. So 
Sean, what was the 2014, 42? Uh, yeah, 42. And then today it's 46? Exactly. Okay. Yeah, so it's it's slowly going up. Well, it's it's interesting. 2016 was 42%. 2018 was 44%. Then 2020 actually went down to 40%. And now 2022 is at 46%. So there was actually a little a little drop there, and it came right back up. Um, I don't know why that would have been, but I find that interesting. That's interesting. Okay. Yeah. I was trying to think if there was any um, political event going on in the U.S. that may have influenced that, but I don't think so. Not that I recall. Mm-mm. So, yeah, I, I don't know if it's just the people they surveyed happened to um, be more one way. So it's an outlier or what might have caused that. Or the sample size may have been different. Yeah. And those who responded were only a certain way. Yeah. There's a lot of fact. When you're doing statistics, it could be a bunch of different stuff. Yeah. Yep. Okay. Now we're looking at U.S. evangelical trends. Okay. So surveys, uh, let's see. So this has to do with like abortion, God, uh, gender identity, homosexuality. Um, oh, that was U.S. Yeah. So I think we're going to cover those topics. All right. So God, key, uh, this survey. Key to Orthodox Christianity is Jesus' own assertion that he alone is the way the tr- and the truth and the life, and that no one comes to the Father except through him, John 14, 6, emphasis added. Trends over time and the 2022 survey results reveal an increasingly unbiblical belief among evangelicals that God is pleased by worship that comes from those outside of the Christian faith. Yikes. So the statement is, God accepts the worship of all religions, including Christianity, Judaism, and Islam. Um, So 2014, it was 48 agree, I think. And then 2022 is 56, I think. Yeah. This is is another interesting one, because in 2016, you have 48%. Then 2018, you have 51%. And then 20. 20 again we drop back down to 42 percent, so lower than we, what we started in 2016 and then now we're, we're up to 56 percent. so apparently 2020 was just a an interesting it was year. an off year i guess yeah <laughs> yeah um this one i mean knowing the state of evangelicalism it doesn't surprise me but Again, this is this is just so clear from the Bible. I understand evangelicals have issue with um, the uh, the Old Testament, even though you shouldn't. It's all the Bible's all the Word of God, um, and they might relegate this understanding to the Old Testament. But even the New Testament, Jesus says um, that uh, a salvation is from the Jews. This is Jesus speaking to the woman at the well, John four, um, verse uh, twenty, uh, starting at verse twenty two. Ye worship, ye know not what. We know what we worship, for salvation is of the Jews. But the hour cometh, and now is, when tr- the true worshiper shall worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For the Father seeketh such to worship him. God is a spirit, and they that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. And he's speaking to a Samaritan. And Samaritans have, a, it's a related line, uh, religion to Judaism. It's very similar. So it would be perfectly comparable with the uh, un, um, with uh, Christianity versus Judaism and Islam. In fact, Islam would be more different than uh, the Samaritan. I think they would be more different. Maybe I shouldn't say that. But regardless, it's a it's a re- related religion. Um, so this is just showing complete biblical ignorance. Or maybe with some of these questions, a lot of people are afraid to answer truthfully. Uh, I don't know. Um, that's that's an issue with statistics. You never know if somebody's just not answering truthfully. But um, right. uh, yeah, no, this would again foundational um, to what they define as evangelicalism. It is important that I share my faith, uh, or that people need to believe in Christ to be saved. And yet, um, somehow, God also accepts the worship of um, the worship of people that aren't directed to. Um, directed to the Christian God. So that's um, kind of the problem that we saw with Prager too. Yeah. Oh yeah. We need to be, yeah. You know, Judaism is kind of where salvation is in terms of the system of, of how we're going to get to heaven, but you really don't need to be a Jew to get there. Mm-hmm. You know, you just got to be good enough. 
Right. Yeah. It's well, kind of the same thing. It's like you want to have your cake and eat it too. You want to be able to have the system that'll get you to the blessings, but you don't really have to be exclusively committed to it. And, and so that's kind of the mindset you take if you say, well, yeah, I believe Jesus is, you know, I need Jesus for salvation, but these other religions are acceptable. Yeah. That's valid. It, it, it's funny, right? Because we have different ways of being saved, which should automatically make you realize, okay, well, they, they can't all be correct. Um, right. They can't all be valid. And coexist, B, Sean. Coexist. Uh, and B, the <laughs> God is different. Our God is triune. Their gods right. in Judaism and Islam are Unitarian. They're fundamentally different gods. How could they possibly be worshipped in a way that's appropriate? And um, Islam specifically has an apologetic against the Trinity. Well, so do, so does it, modern Judaism, but because um, they've they've had to develop that, but uh, that's that's incoherent with the uh, Old Testament, right? But, I mean, again, Jesus says, "Unless you believe that I am, you will die in your sins." Right. So God is somehow accepting worship of people that don't believe that He's the I Am, but they're also going to die in their sins. Right. <laughs> that, that's 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 incoherent. Hebrews also right. says without faith, it is impossible to believe uh, to please him. You know, you, you have all this stuff. There's nowhere in the New Testament that would ever give us any indication that God is pleased with human worship just because there's humans doing it. And I think that's the issue going back to the um, the uh, theology of man of original sin. Right. Well, if everybody's good, clearly God must accept their worship because they're trying right as no right god is fundamentally corrupt their worship is idolatrous and they know it um so it, it's not acceptable for a holy god yep exactly right and you can't have you can't have it both ways you yeah. have to have an exclusive method of salvation or the, the it's an incoherent system yep Um, let's see. The survey goes on to say this year's survey also revealed a significant increase in evangelicals who deny Jesus's divinity. Such a belief is contrary to scripture, which affirms from the beginning, from beginning to end, that Jesus is indeed God. Um, yeah, so if anyone is claiming that Jesus is not God, they really believe that and they claim to be an evangelical, you ain't a Christian. Plain yeah. and simple. That's like I literally you. just said, unless you believe that he is, that's the, so I am is the name that God said to Moses, right? Yep. This yeah, is his Exodus name. 314. And Jesus says, unless you believe that I am using the divine name and also a reflection of what he is, he just is. He's the uncreated one. He is. Unless you believe it, you will die in your sins. So that's I mean, that's as clear as you as clear as you can be. If you if you don't believe that Jesus is God, you are not a Christian. Yep. Pure and simple. So the statement is Jesus was a great teacher, but he was not God. So 20 is that 2020, 2020, 30 yep. percent agree. Yep. And then 2022, 42 percent agree. 43 percent. 43 percent. So a 13 percent increase. Yeah. Those who agree that Jesus is not God. See, that's another one where, um, because that's a huge difference in the amount of two years. And because we've seen 2020 drop for the previous questions, I wonder if that might not be quite accurate to the overall trend. Um, Because 13%, that is a huge amount to have gone. Oh, yeah. uh, I wonder if if we had 2018 data, if it would be closer to uh, the 2022 data. But I, I, I don't know. We don't have that data. Right. Yeah, it's sometimes hard to you can't see the motives of people in certain mm-hmm. uh, surveys. That's that's a problem. So you kind of take these with a grain of salt. But it's still the fact that someone put that down is still concerning regardless. Um, but yeah, so truth is the next one, the concept of truth. So the survey says embracing the reality of objective truth is necessary to a right and proper understanding of the world. Scripture affirms that God is truth. And because the Bible is his word, scripture is truth as well. Despite the testimony of scripture, evangelicals increasingly believe that the Bible is not literally true. So the statement is the Bible, like all sacred writings, contains helpful accounts of ancient myths, but is not literally true. 
So going back to 2014, I think that is 2016. 2016, sorry. Yeah. Um, 17% agree. Um, 2018, it was 23% agree. 2020 was is that 19, Sean? It's 15%. 15. Ooh, wow. Big drop. Yeah. And then 2022, it was 24? 26. 26% agree. Yeah, for all of these, we just see that 2020 is 2020 is an off year, I, I guess. Yeah, I, I, <laughs> I almost want to say, it, like, there's something statistically wrong with it. I mean, we might want to ignore it. You're right. Yeah. <laughs> if it, if you see this consistent drop, you might want to look yeah. into that a little more. Yeah, <laughs> unless people just all of a sudden became more orthodox. Just <laughs> right. There is a great, the third great awakening, Sean. It's happening. <laughs> Briefly. It's happening right under our nose. Yeah. But, I mean, this is pretty shocking, I guess. I mean, you're seeing, I mean, you look at the graph here. It's this massive um, swing over here to the strongly disagree side. Yeah. As it relates to, um, well, actually, that's good, I guess. If we're saying it's, if the statement is it's not literally yeah. true, and then there's people yeah. who say disagree, that's good. But yeah. we are seeing a, a bigger trend the other way. Yeah. Um, slowly but quick. surely. But at least it, it seems there's this general understanding. Yeah, the Bible is the word of God, and it's true because it's from God. Um, again, fundamental, basic Christian teaching. Yeah. And also, uh, I mean, see. that basically den denies what it means to be an evangelical based on what they were saying earlier. The Bible right. is the ultimate authority. <laughs> right. I mean, I guess you can still say it's the ultimate authority, and it just contains a lot of error in it. But it's a weird position to be in. Right, right. Um, survey says a rising disbelief in the Bible's literal truth may help us understand why American evangelicals also increasingly believe that religious faith is a subjective experience rather than objective than an objective reality. So the statement is religious belief is a matter of personal opinion. It is not about objective truth. So the 2022, I think, was is that 38, Sean? Yeah, 38. Okay, 38% agree yeah. that it is not about objective truth. I mean, you're basically saying that it's wrong. You know, right. it's not objective. <laughs> I mean, I guess there are people out there that just believe there are is no objective truth, period. So to them, nothing is right or wrong. Uh, but we all live in the real world, and so do they. So what they're saying is that it's wrong, you know? Right. Or, <laughs> right. like, well... It, it's true for me, like okay, but it's not true for other people because that that is incoherent with the God of the Scripture. Yeah, it's either the absolutely of... true or it's just not. Yeah, no. Yep. All right, the next topic: sexual ethics. So, survey says the changes in sexual ethics in the United States are occurring at an alarmingly rapid pace. However, one encouraging finding is that evangelicals affirm a biblical view of fornication and adultery in greater numbers. So, this is encouraging. Yeah. Um, and actually kind of surprising given we're seeing more and more those um, in the evangelical world who do claim that homosexual behavior is an acceptable behavior. And these are people who are trying to mingle that kind of lifestyle with a Christian worldview. Um, you don't see it a whole lot, but it is there. You know, some of these uh, progressive Episcopalian or Lutheran circles. Um, who would probably consider themselves evangelical um, and and the like. So this is encouraging to see. So 2022, is that 94%, Sean? Yeah, yeah, it is. 94% agree that sex outside of traditional marriage is a sin. Yep. Yeah, that's, and this is... Encouraging. This, I wonder, because the, the trend isn't super huge. You go back to uh, 2016, it's 91%. Um, and then today it's 94%. So we've, we've mm -hmm. gained 3%. It's not extremely large, but I do wonder if that is some of the backlash to what we're seeing in the culture. Um, that's waking people up essentially to be like, Oh no, this is, this is actually wrong. Um, and they're going into a more, uh, biblical ethic. So I don't, I don't know. Yeah, that it could be interesting. Yeah. Yep. All right. Uh, let's see here. Survey says, while evangelicals are more likely than U.S. adults in general to affirm a biblical sexual ethic in the areas of gender identity and homosexuality, 
a significant rise of an unbiblical worldview is apparent, especially in the 2022 survey. This is interesting because you would think that if you believe that sex outside of traditional marriage is wrong, that you would have all these other understandings of sexuality in place. So yeah, you, I mean, would... you would homosexuality is clearly not sex within traditional marriage. So you're contradicting yourself at that point. If you think that homosexuality is affirmed while still saying that sex outside of traditional marriage is a sin, um, that's extremely problematic. But I wonder you would basically have to redefine traditional marriage to be monogamous marriage, right? Like, Oh, well, it's okay if two men get married as long as they're monogamous. And there, that's um, who was that guy that James Matthew Vines? Matthew Vines. He he took that view. Monogamous homosexual relationships were what Paul really was talking uh, was. He was not polyamorous. Homosexual relationships were forbidden by Paul, but monogamous ones were allowed. I think his argument was essentially that. In Romans, maybe I'm confusing him with someone else, but Romans one, it was condemning people that weren't really homosexuals going after um, people of the same sex. But he didn't have yeah, in mind or, people that were actually attraction or something like that. Or, it was yeah, some weird, yeah, yeah, it was some weird um, interpretation of Romans one. Yeah, and he was a flash in the pan because I haven't heard from him in a long time. But there are those who, yeah, you're right. There are those who try to kind of redefine what marriage is and these different terms that we find bit, that are categorized pretty plainly biblically. Yeah. Um, so 2022 for gender identity is a matter of choice. It was that 37%. Um, 2022, yes, yeah, 37%. 37% agree that it is a matter of choice. Yeah. So that would include... You know, your your transgender identity, all that all that stuff. All right. Survey says the rise of unbiblical views among evangelicals in the subjects of gender and sexuality may indicate the influence of a secular worldview that is making greater inroads into the church. So the next statement here is the Bible's condemnation of homosexual behavior doesn't apply today. That's a, actually a very interesting question, um, but it. Because I that might I think that might be another argument that comes out of some of those circles. Oh, that's just you yeah. know that was first century stuff. Exactly doesn't apply today. Uh, yeah. So twenty twenty two was is that twenty eight, Sean? Yeah, it is twenty eight from uh, skipping twenty twenty because it's still way off. It's um, still way off. Yeah, something yeah. happened in twenty twenty. <laughs> in twenty eighteen, it was twenty percent, and in twenty sixteen, it was nineteen percent. So they're pretty close. Um, so in from 2018 to 2022, it was a jump of 8%. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Pretty significant. And this is for yeah. those who are saying that the Bible's condemnation of homosexual behavior does not apply today. Yeah. So there's a growing trend. And again, this, this is not surprising given what I said earlier. There are some churches or denominations that would identify as evangelical who do allow homosexual ministers or homosexual members or perform homosexual marriages, quote mm-hmm. unquote marriages. So it's, it, it doesn't really surprise me that this is starting to become more of a trend. Yeah. Um, it is, it is interesting because again, if you have the Bible as your highest authority, what you're saying is a, a huge amount of it just isn't relevant for today, which is a, a little a little odd of a belief to have, but it, it, it does exist, obviously. And it's probably mostly because people want to say, I hold to the Bible because they really like the teachings of teachings of Jesus or something, not You're recognizing right. <laughs> what he actually taught. They take um, the, the moral teachings of Jesus, exactly. and, but well, not really any of yeah. the, the power behind them. <laughs> yeah. Oh, they take some of the moral teachings of Jesus or some of what they think the moral teachings of Jesus right. are. We'll skip least. Matthew 19 where he defines what marriage is, but you know. Yeah, we'll skip, we'll talk about skip a lot of things. We'll skip things <laughs> right. in the Sermon on the Mount. I hear a progressive talk about uh, sermon, the Sermon on the Mount all the time. It's like, yeah, you, you see how many times Jesus mentions hell? You see um, how he's making the law stricter in regards to um, adultery? And that you can have lust of the heart or adultery of the heart and lust. Like 
you're not you're really not paying that much attention to it you just yeah just jesus like is it. like well the law actually really meant this and you guys were way off you know whoa okay all right yeah it, it's taking kind of just these it's like uh fortune cookie snippets you know and and then just getting rid of the rest that's relevant to understanding what those fortune cookie snippets actually mean yeah all right next topic we're almost done here next topic abortion survey says the bible teaches the personhood of those in the womb as such the practice of abortion is the murder of a human being who is an image bearer of god past survey results among evangelicals have remained fairly consistent since 2016 with an uptick in 2022 of more evangelicals asserting that abortion is a sin while the reasons for this positive trend are unknown it is encouraging to see more evangelicals affirming the personhood of human beings in the womb so i mean this is pretty much just um skewed to the right in terms of yeah. positive. So 2022 was is that 91, Sean? It's 91%. And 2016. 91%. Okay. 2016 was 87%. So, um, oh. yeah, a 4% increase, um, which I, I'm actually really surprised that it's this high among professed evangelicals, especially considering all the other things that we've seen. Um, I guess something like this abortion is actually more natural it's a, a, a the killing of children the murder of children is actually a more natural reaction to have well that doesn't even make sense i don't know i'm just i'm very surprised that um considering that we've seen evangelicals in this survey not care about some of the other stuff that this would actually be um so so skewed towards uh the biblical view so i don't know yeah it is interesting to see what is agreed and what is disagreed. You're like, wait, why? I wouldn't think that would be that, you know? Yeah. Because <laughs> abortion is such a divisive issue today yeah. in our culture. I mean, it's like you're either way, way over here or you're way over here. You're either pro-life or you're just, or you're, you're pro-choice. I mean, there's, it's actually, it, there's such a, it's such a huge divide. It's a polarizing topic that, Yeah. And tends to be very popularly on the pro-choice side. So it, it is surprising. But I guess people still have some sort of moral conscience as it relates to this. They're like, well, you know, the Bible does kind of talk about this stuff. So, yeah, I kind of have to agree with this. But you would think the same for homosexuality and gender identity, too, which is clearly taught. But that's clearly not the same uh, in terms of results here. Well, I'm actually I'm thinking about it now because you often hear the argument for um, from people that would want to support homosexuality from the Bible. Oh, Jesus never talked about homosexuality. You know, it's only right. these, five, these five verses that explicitly talk about it. But when it comes to abortion, explicit condemnation of abortion, I'm only aware of one. Mm. Um, with the, the strike or the fighting around the uh, the pregnant woman, and if there's harm to the child, that's the only right. One. Obviously. We have a theology that sees that um, life begins at conception, and we see that um, the unborn children are considered human beings by the Bible. Um, so um, we, we get our, our understanding from there. But in terms of an explicit condemnation of killing children in the womb, I only I'm only aware of the one off the top of my head. Uh, yeah, so same. It's, yeah, so it's interesting that there's clearly an overlap in evangelicals where. They don't hold that homosexuality is a sin, but they do hold that abortion is a sin when, as far as I'm aware, it's just one explicit <laughs> passage in the Old Testament. Um, that's interesting. Yeah, that is very interesting. Yeah, there's more verses for homosexuality than there are against abortion in the scriptures. Yeah, but yeah. The, the, the results are very different. Yeah, yeah, you never know what people are thinking. You know, they're... And again, that's the hard thing with surveys is it's hard to tell what people's motives are, what they're really thinking. But it, it does make you scratch your head and go, that doesn't make any sense at all. What it does, but I, you know, we're at the end of the, the key findings here. But I think what this does is now these results show is that people need a they need a solid understanding of the authority of Scripture. They need to have men who are willing to teach these biblical truths in a way that challenges their people in a way that um, really helps them understand the basics of the Christian faith. 
Um, Because as you can see, we're just talking about these issues are seen as all over the place in these results. So it's it just shows the need for the church to do its job um, and and for there to be great repentance, it seems, especially for stuff on the you know, doctrine of of Christology, denying the deity of Christ. I mean, that's a that's about as bad as you can get in terms of um, embracing heresy um, and condemning yourself in the process. Um, so yeah, we need, we need churches, biblical churches who will teach their people. Um, and there needs to be repentance from these thoughts and, and pastors and elders need to, um, need to bring their people back. They need to preach the gospel to their people and teach a biblical morality, um, or you're going to get results like this. Yeah. All right. Well, thank you, everyone, for joining us today. Um, you can find us on other podcasts at reformpodcast.com. Also, check out our blog at theparticularbaptist.net. Um, and if you have not yet subscribed to our YouTube channel, please subscribe. We just uh, breached 1,000 subscribers this past week, so we're excited, and, and uh, we're excited about that. We thank you all for those who have subscribed for your support. But if you have not subscribed, hit that subscribe button and hit the bell to be notified when new videos come out. But with that, thank you for joining us um, this week. Lord willing, we'll be back next week um, as we continue um, these discussions. But with that, everyone have a great uh, weekend and Lord's Day tomorrow. Take care.